0: And we're going to be studying and looking at end times uh, again this morning for this week and for next week also. So let's go ahead, let's, um, let's look at that first point. We're going to hit some recaps as we go ahead and try and pick this up where we, we've, we've left it off. Uh, but so really, to, in order to study end times and to know what's going on and to understand all the things that, that God is going to do in the last days, we have to start somewhere. And the place we start is understanding and knowing prophecy and what it is and what it means. Okay, so that first point, it says, the purpose of prophecy is to authenticate the Word of God so that we will believe Jesus is who He is. Um, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Messiah, and the Savior of the world. Right, so that's what prophecy uh, is and does for us. It, it really authenticates this, right? The Word of God, it, it reminds us... Uh, as he spoke through the prophets, that Jesus is the son of God, that he's, he's strong enough, he's well and able, right? He's the savior of the world. And um, through prophecy, it puts that stamp of approval on that original word, right? That that is who God is. So that's where we have to start when we dive into end times, um, studying and trying to figure out what that means for us. That next point So end times prophecy, it revolves around three things. This is the thing that we have to to see and recognize, the thing that we probably didn't necessarily know as we study end times. It's not necessarily about the church. It's actually about um, three different things. It's about God's land, God's people, and God's holy city, which is Jerusalem. Right? End times events revolve around three things, um, God finishing what he started. Right? We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. And so in the Old Testament, it's exactly what it was about, right? It was about God's people, God's land, uh, Israel, the Jewish people, uh, and God's city, uh, Jerusalem, the holy city. And so you got to know that, but that's how they missed it, right? Because uh, the Jewish people, they didn't know that Jesus was going to save all people, which he did. And so, but right now is really the time for the church. We're going to talk about that this morning. Um, so the end times events, though, are going to revolve around those three things: God's people, God's land, and God's city. That's how we that's how we pick up our, our hints in scripture of how close the end times are getting. That's how we see uh, the signs to look for, um, the things that we know, that the pieces that are being moved and put in place and put in play uh, as Jesus comes back. Okay? Um, that next point. So, okay, where are we now? Uh, Pastor Ian where are we now in the end times chronological order, okay? And we actually, we gave this to you. It's kind of cool. We can actually pinpoint where we are right now, right? And using using prophecy and the prophetic word, we actually have to start, not in Revelations, like most people would think, we actually have to start uh, in Daniel 9. Most um, uh, Bible scholars, eschatologists, eschatology is the study of end times. They they say that Daniel 9 is is where we're going to, is really the starting place to understanding end times. And so we said that's where we are. We are actually in that gap in between verse 26 and verse 27 of Daniel 9. And we call it that gap. The today that we're in is the time of the church, the time of the Gentiles. A Gentile is somebody who is just not of Jewish blood. All of us are not of Jewish blood, but we've been grafted into the family of God because of what Jesus has done for us. Right, And so it's, it's the church's time right now, but it's also the time of blindness over Israel. There are, there are Messianic Jews, Jews who have come to completion um, of their faith, and they do see and recognize and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, but for the most part, there are Jews still praying and believing that the Messiah is still going to come. But when God raptures his church, what we're going to talk about this morning, when he does that, the time of the church will be over and the blindness over Israel will be lifted and it will be all about God's people once again, right? So you're not going to want to miss that train. You're not going to want to miss that moment, right? We said it'll be in a twinkling of an eye. When when Jesus raptures his church and brings them into the presence of God, you're not going to want to be left behind. You're going to want to be on that train. Come on, somebody. Okay? We, 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 so... We got to know and see and recognize the value of today because today is the day of mercy and grace. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So we got time to get right today. Tomorrow, I can't promise you you got time to get right tomorrow, but I can take care of today, right? But so we're in this gap, excuse me, of Daniel 9, 26 through 27. So let's go ahead and let's read it, right? Verse 26. After the, the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Uh, and for the people of the prince of who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war of desolations is determined." I'm going to stop there. That's already happened. This is explaining the Messiah. um, Jesus has been crucified. The the temple has been destroyed. Jerusalem uh, still needs to be rebuilt for the the actual temple and the sanctuary where they can worship God. Okay, That's already happened. and We're in the gap from verse 26 to 27. So this is what is to happen, verse 27. Then he, speaking of the Antichrist, shall come with a covenant um, with many for one week. One week doesn't mean one week. One one week actually means seven years. If you study that out, that means seven years. And so in the middle of that seven years, he shall bring an end of sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be the one makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And so that's where we are. So the Antichrist is going to come. We call it the Great Tribulation. After the church is raptured, he's going to come, and he's going to set his kingdom up on earth, right? Let's look at that next point. And so the rapture is one of the most significant events because it is the trigger, somebody say trigger, trigger that will set into motion the 70th week of Daniel or the great tribulation. And so I believe we're in the gap of verse 26 and 27, and so I believe really that next event that is going to happen is going to be the rapture. The next event that is going to happen before the 70th week of Daniel takes place, where the Antichrist begins to take place and become a political figure, a political leader in in the earth, I believe the rapture is going to happen first. Because I believe God's going to spare his children from all the things that are going to happen in that 70th week of Daniel. And I also believe if you remove the church, it makes it easier for the Antichrist to take his rightful place. Right? Because if you have the church speaking truth, I don't think it'd be as easy for him to take, take his position. When you remove the church from the earth, it becomes a lot easier to deceive the masses and the people that are left behind. Right? So I believe it's that next event that's going to take place. And that's, like I said, why it's so important that today you take advantage of that love and mercy and grace that God is offering us to get right with him. Okay? The next point. I think it's y'all's first new point for today. And so think about it like this. Once the church has been raptured, the Holy Spirit is then going to withdraw, right? Because where's all my smart people? Does anybody know where the Holy Spirit lives? He lives in, in us, right? Inside of us. And so if, if, if God comes and Jesus raptures his church, he calls her up right in a twinkling of an eye, where's the Holy Spirit then? In the presence of God, right, and so you got to think of a, of a of a earth, not just without the church, but without the Spirit of God, without the the Spirit of Truth, is going to be lifted, right, and so, and then the first seal, we're going to talk about the seals on the scroll that Jesus is going to open. There's seven seals, and really each one of those behind each one of those seals are 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 plagues, are diseases, uh, is death, is aren't is is all sorts of of, of judgment and chaos that is going to happen on the earth. And so, but it's, uh, once the church has been raptured and the Holy Spirit draws back from the earth, the first seal will be broken and the Antichrist is going to then be revealed. It's going to allow him to take his place, but he's not necessarily, no one's going to know who he is. And that's why we say he's going to be revealed, but not unveiled. And then he will step into political power as a man of covenant. Somebody say covenant, but not necessarily man of peace. And so you gotta know with the Antichrist, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a, a likable person. He's gonna be able to easily manipulate and deceive the world, but he's not necessarily gonna be a man of peace in the Middle East. He's gonna enforce a covenant, a, the the treaty with Israel and ten other nations. And if you've been paying attention in the news, even this week Trump brought in a President Trump brought in another nation to sign the treaty with Israel. They now have three nations. And so the Bible says there will be ten nations in peace treaty with Israel. Uh, and the Antichrist, he doesn't necessarily make that treaty or that covenant. It can already be in place. He's just going to enforce that covenant. And he's going to do that with war, with fighting, but he's going to do it as an appearance of peace. Does that make sense? And so the, the beginning of the Great Tribulation is going to allow the Antichrist to take his place as world leader and political leader, um, but it's not necessarily going to reveal... No one's going to know that he's the Antichrist, but he's going to be in that place, in that position. Uh, let's read Revelations 5, 1 through 14. And we really want to read this. Uh, we're give, let me just get ahead of this. We're going to be giving y'all a lot of scripture today, okay? So please bear with me. Please go home and read this on your own. Study it uh, for yourself, okay? We're going gonna, we're gonna to give you a lot of scripture today, and I'm going to do my best to try and teach this to you, Okay? But so we want to read this 1 through 14 just to really show you that Jesus is the one, the one that is worthy, okay? It says, verse 1, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. Uh, there was a writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, but it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or earth or even under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one uh, was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. Somebody say victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out of every part of the earth. Y'all, Jesus is worthy. Jesus is holy. He's the one, okay? He's the lion and the lamb, and he is going to be the one to begin to open the seals uh, of the scroll for the judgments that are to happen on the earth after the, the church has been uh, raptured. Amen. Verse 7, uh, so he says, He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. Jesus took the scroll from the hand of God and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they had held gold bowls filled with incense, which were the prayers of God's people. How cool is that? Y'all, you know the church, we're going to be there. We're going to witness this. This is John's, the the, the disciple, the one who Jesus loved. This is John's account writing in Revelation, this vision that he saw. But I believe the church is going to get to see this. We're going to be there. We're going to be a part of this. How cool is that going to be? And so, you know, when Jesus does something super, uh, supernatural and super spectacular, what can you do? You can't help but begin to worship him, right? And that's what they begin to do. at verse, uh, verse 9, it says, And then they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom priest for our God, and they will reign on earth. And then I looked again and heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings of the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature on heaven and on earth and even under the earth and in the sea saying, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is the one. And then he is gonna lead us He's going to lead heaven and heaven's armies uh, actually in a fight on earth to combat the Antichrist as he begins to rule and try and reign over the earth for seven years. But That's going to be the beginning part. And so that's, that's kind of the order of, the, of events. As he begins to open the seals, um, those things are going to begin to happen. But let's read Revelation 6, 1 through 2. And so it says, As I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard the four living beings saying with a voice like um, thunder, Come. I looked down and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. And so this is kind of the order of, of events. Okay. God's going to rapture his church and then After that, Jesus can begin to open the seals on the scroll, and then that allows the Antichrist to come into the scene. I want you to know as we read this, we're not talking about Jesus anymore. This scripture is about the Antichrist. Okay, The white rider on a horse is actually the Antichrist. As soon as Jesus opens that first seal... That, as we just read, he opens the first seal, and that allows then the permission for the Antichrist to be able to begin to take his place, to begin to start moving pieces and things in the earth. Okay, does that make sense? And so after he opens that first seal, that allows the Antichrist to begin to make his way. And um, because of that, that's when the 70th week of Daniel is really going to come Start coming uh, together, and it's going to happen quick. It's going to snowball quick, uh, and it's not going to be a time of peace. I always kind of thought that the Great Tribulation at the beginning was a time of peace, but it's, as we're going to see today, it's, <laughs> there's nothing peaceful about it. But if you read the rest of that scripture, what does it say? It says, its rider will be carrying a bow, speaking of the Antichrist, and a crown is placed on his head. And a crown is placed on his head, and he rode out to win many battles and gain victory. So the Antichrist, he's going to bring a fight, he's going to enforce a covenant, uh, and he's going to win uh, some battles. Um, there's a thing that many Bible scholars um, talk about. It's called, it's called the law of first mention. Okay? And the law of first mention uh, is basically when any, when any word is the first time it's ever used in Scripture... What that means is that's the law first mentioned, the first time it's ever written down or spoken in the Word of God. Um, After that, it it then sets a precedence of of interpretation going forward. Okay, and so this is something that y'all probably never knew. So it, it describes the Antichrist as coming with a bow. Does anybody know? It might not be the bow that you think of. Does anybody know the first time that word bow is used in Scripture? Nobody? No guesses? I know we got a small crowd this morning. But it's actually in Genesis, the rainbow. After God flooded the earth, right? That rainbow was significant, right? Because God said, after I flooded the earth, this is my promise to you that I will never do that again, right? That word rainbow in Genesis uh, is actually 9 12 through 13. Is the same bow, that same root word uh, in Revelations of that type of bow that uh, the Antichrist is going to carry. And so that bow is a sign of covenant, so that, that the Antichrist is going to come with a covenant for, for God's people, for God's land, and for God's. See, let's read, let's read that, Genesis 9, 12 through 13. Okay, It says, And God said, This is the, the token or sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For perpetual generations I, I set my bow, that same word bow is the same Bow in revelations that the Antichrist is going to have in a cloud that shall never be um, for the token or sign of a covenant between me and of the earth, right? And so, one thing that the devil always tries to do is he tries to pervert the goodness and the righteousness of God. And this is just another way that the enemy is going to pervert that original covenant, that promise of God, as he makes his way. The first thing that he's going to do is he's going to pervert one of God's promises, one of God's. Covenants, okay? Let's read Daniel 9, 27. We've already read it, but let's read it again. It says, then he shall confirm a what? Covenant, right? That word covenant is the same word covenant in Genesis 9, 12, 13, where it says, of a covenant between me and earth, that same covenant, okay? With many for one week, and this is prophecy in Daniel 9 of the Antichrist. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be the one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. I know it's a lot of big words. Mainly that's going to be hell on earth. The devil is going to reign and terror and in, in rule the earth, okay? So let's that's, that's kind of read the second half of that scripture too uh, from, from um, Revelation 6, 1 through 2. It says that he's also going to have a crown, right? That crown is not necessarily a, a, it's not a king's crown. It's a victor's crown. There's, do you all know there's a difference between a king's crown and a victor's crown? Like when you win something, you get a, a victory crown. And so he's going to come. He's going to be disguised as a savior of the world. He's going to come. He's going to save the day. So that's through the prophetic word of Revelation, the description uh, of the Antichrist. Right? He's got, the world is going to think and be deceived that he has all the answers that he's actually the Messiah, he's actually the devil, he's the Antichrist, right? It's going to be flipped, it's the way the enemy is going to pervert God's original plan. But let's look at that next point. So today, y'all be praying for your pastor, we got a long way to go, (laughs) running long already. We're going to be hanging out on the first three and a half years of the tribulation. The things that are going to happen in the first three and a half years, after Jesus opens that first seal, and the Antichrist makes his way, a lot of things are going to begin to happen, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. And then next week, as far as I know, we're going to wrap this series up and talk about the last remaining three and a half years uh, of the 70th week of Daniel, okay? But so, there it is. The first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, or Daniel's 70th week, unpacks a lot of horrifying things, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about, the first one. Antichrist is revealed as a political world leader. Kind of already talked about that. He's going to make his way. He's going to establish himself as world leader. Next, the, there's a, a 144,000 Jews are going to be sealed. Somebody say sealed. Sealed with the Holy Spirit and begin to testify that Jesus is Messiah, and the blindness of Israel is going to be removed. So when, G- when, when Jesus raptures his church into, heaven, into heavenly places with God and the Father, before he opens the first seal, the Holy Spirit will be lifted from the earth, but God at the same time is also going to seal 144,000 Jews with his Spirit. And so if you're left behind, the only way you're going to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ is through one of those 144,000 Jews left on the earth, sealed with the Holy Spirit, declaring truth and righteousness. Okay? So that, that's going to happen in the first three and a half, five, or three and a, three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel. And that blindness is then going to be removed from Israel. Okay? On that next point. Uh, the Jews will begin to rebuild the temple and begin offering daily sacrifices in Jerusalem, right? And we know that they have to begin to start making offerings and sacrifices again because they actually haven't, for the last 2,000 years, made any offerings or any sacrifices in the temple. Why? Because they don't have a temple that is there. <laughs> they don't have a place to do that. But we know, according to Daniel 9:27, right, what did it say? It said that, He's gone, the Antichrist is going to stop, at three and a half years, he's going to stop burnt offerings and sacrifices. So we know that there's, they're going to have to rebuild the temple based on Daniel 9.27 and they will begin to make offerings and sacrifices once again, okay? That next point. Y'all still with me? Am I losing anybody? Hey, Amen. Uh, I know we're giving you a lot of information today. Um, so but that next point, this is really what we haven't talked about yet and this is really kind of Kind of cool. Uh, has a whole different dynamic. Really adds a whole nother dynamic to the what's going to happen and the events. But so two witnesses, okay, are going to step on the scene, coming against the antichrist as he makes his takes his place and position as a political leader, and they're going to begin to prophesy judgment against the antichrist and the new world system that is being established. On the earth. So these two witnesses are going to stand for truth and righteousness. They're going to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Actually, a lot of Bible scholars, eschatologists, um, that eschatology study of end times, that's what that means. They believe that the two witnesses are actually going to be Elijah and Moses. That's what they believe. They believe that the two witnesses that are going to stand and fight against the Antichrist, Antichrist is actually going to kill them in a public way uh, and defeat them, but they're going to stand and stand for righteousness. Um, they believe that's actually going to be Mo- Moses and Elijah. If you if you read scripture, you remember when Jesus was transfigured transfigured the transfiguration of Jesus when he took Jesus up to the mountain. and uh, took Jesus took the disciples up to the mountain with him, right? And he was transfigured, and he was uh, in the clouds, and he was in the clouds with Moses and Elijah. And so that's one of the main reasons they believe that that's who the two um, the two witnesses. Will be. But that's what they're going to do. They're, they're going to stand, and the world is actually going to blame the witnesses for all the bad things that are going on. We're going to go ahead and read what they, the power that God's going to give them. Okay, let's read Revelation 11, uh, 3 through 6. And it says, He uh, says, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will pro- prophesy during those um, 1,260 days. So for 1,260 days, they're going to they're gonna prophesy. Sorry, my thing's crackling. Uh, these two prophets are the olive, the olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, the fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have the power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long. That's bad. Sorry. Is that my pack or is that... Sorry about that. Maybe I'll carry it. Let's try this. All right, so this is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall as long as they prophesy. They have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. I just turn it off we got enough people in here sign the word of the lord that these the judgments of earth for and you got to know that these these bad things that are going to happen are going to be because of the judgment of earth and creation for what rejecting jesus as savior and messiah and so that's why you got to know that today is a gift we're not in that time yet so you still have time to worship him okay but so they're going to have this power to do this, and so the two witnesses are going to be blamed for all the sickness, the famine, the disease, uh, and that, um, this is why they're also going to rejoice when the Antichrist kills them. We're going to talk about that here in a moment too. But so the next point. So in Revelations, uh, there's there's seven seals on the scroll, uh, and there's also seven trumpets. Uh, it's, a, it's a judgment that are poured out on the earth. This judgment that I'm talking about, that's going to happen. Um, and actually, if you read it even more, there's there's a whole lot more. And if any of this stuff, you begin to have questions about this stuff, I'm going to try my best to teach it. But please come see me after church. I will get, you, get your email, and we can send you the syllabus that Dr. Forrest read that's even more in depth about these other things that are in Revelation that we're going to see today because there's seven seals, there's seven trumpets, there's seven bowls, and seven thunders, and three terrors. Okay, we don't have time to get into all those things and what they mean, but Doctor Forrest does. Okay, um, and so, but the seven seals are actually, as Jesus opens them, are going to bring death to a quarter of the earth that's left. They're going to bring death to a quarter of the earth uh, that's that's left, and it's it's really kind of the way that's all works together. The two witnesses as they begin to prophesy. Diseases and sickness and um, famines and all these things—they're actually prophesying seals as Jesus opens them. As Jesus begins to open the seals, after the first one, the Antichrist can make his way, and then then the the seals, the the sickness and disease, and all these things begin to happen. But that's—we'll read about some of these. We'll read about these these trumpets. So, Revelations eight six through twelve. It says, then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, uh, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and the green grass was burned. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great uh, mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water of the sea became blood. One-third of the living things in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships in the sea were destroyed. Then the third angel blew his trumpet. Uh, And a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell from one-third of the rivers, and on the spring of water. The name of the star was Bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the water. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night." Let's go ahead and we'll read, let's read, read all of this, the rest of it. Revelations 9, 1 through 21. I told you I would be getting a lot of Scripture today. And so verse 1, it says, Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky. He was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. We opened it up, and smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and air turned black from the smoke. Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or the plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. God told the locusts to not mess with the with the plants and the trees, but only the people that don't have the seal of God on their foreheads. Verse 5, it says, They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. In those days, people will seek death but will not find it. Now, that's a statement. People will wish they were dead, but they will not be granted that 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 gift in that day to die. Let me just stop there for a moment because maybe some of you are thinking, you know what, I thought God's good. We serve a good guy. Why would He do these evil, bad things to the earth and the people that are left? And I just want to tell you, God's Word says that God, that vengeance is the Lord's. Uh, And right now is the day of mercy and grace, is the season for the church. That's why we don't see these things, but after God raptures His church, the judgment of God on earth and creation in man and women and children alike will be vengeance. And, and, and God's not going to rapture His church until every person that is alive in that moment has had a chance to either accept or deny Jesus. And then that happens. And so we got to know and remember that this, these things that are happening are happening because of the vengeance of God. A- anybody like watching action movies? You, um, I like watching Batman. Batman's like my favorite uh, character. Uh, movies to watch. Uh, maybe y'all can think of, y'all remember that movie Taken? Uh, when that that guy loses his daughter and those people are abducting his daughter uh, and and we watch these things and and we 're waiting for that revenge to take place right Batman 's going to get his for the good of the people or or, or vengeance is going to happen and so but that vengeance is nothing compared to the righteous vengeance that 's going to happen in the in the great tribulation in the seventieth week of Daniel, okay, so I want you to hear me this isn 't god 's fault god 's not a mean a mean old grumpy man in heaven. Everyone will have a chance to accept or deny Jesus before these things happen. Okay? They will. Um, let's skip down to, to um, verse 7. So the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold uh, crowns on their heads and faces looked like human faces. They had hair like women's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron. Their wings roared like an army uh, of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions. And for five months they had the power to torment People, their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name is, in Hebrew, is Abnon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the Destroyer, the first terror. Now, with these other the, the three terrors we were talking about, is past. That's the first one. But look, two more are coming. Uh, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound in the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year, were turned loose to kill one-third of the people on earth. I heard the size of the army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions. Their fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One-third of the people on earth were killed by um, these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulphur that came from the mouths of the horses, their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused uh, excuse me, still refused to repent from their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone wood, idols and can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent from their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality and their theft. So look at this. Let's do the math. I know there was a lot of Scripture, a lot going on, but I'm going to simplify it for you. After all, reading all that, after um, doing the math in the seven seals, a quarter, after Jesus opens the seven seals, a quarter of the population that's left is killed. Then through all this, another third of those that are left are killed. So that means half the people on earth that were left have already been killed uh, and destroyed, and the ones that are left remaining still refuse to worship God. (laughs) That's how lost the earth is going to be. They're going to see all these crazy things going on, and they're still not going to worship Jesus. They're going to worship their own idols and own gods. That next point. That going back to the two witnesses, so the two witnesses—they're going to be blamed for all this stuff, uh, for the destruction of Earth—and and, but the Antichrist is going to kill them. Okay, the, um, they're going to be blamed for the destruction of the Earth and killed by the Antichrist. The world is going to celebrate their death, but after three days, God is going to raise them from the dead and raptures them into His presence. After after they kill them and the world's going to celebrate their death, God's going to rapture them back. Let's read Revelations eleven. Seven through twelve. It says, when they complete their testimony, the two witnesses, the beast that comes up from the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them, and their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. In three and a half days, the all all people, all tribes, languages, and nations, will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat. They're going to celebrate. Over them and give presents to each other uh, in celebration of the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. But after three and a half days, God is going to breathe life into them and they're going to stand up. Terror struck all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. Seven thousand people died in the earthquake. And everyone else was terrified. And now they begin to worship God and give God glory in heaven. And I just want to kind of draw this message in just for a moment and kind of make it real and applicable to our lives because I know I'm giving you a lot of information, a lot of scripture today. But as I was studying, preparing, and just reading and going through this, uh, this week, this message, I just felt like the Lord said, it, God takes care of the ones that stand. God is going to, if you stand for him, if you stand for righteousness, God will take care of you. These two witnesses are going to do just that. They're going to stand and prophesy and declare truth, right? And they're going to be persecuted, and ultimately they're going to be killed because of it. So no matter what's going on in your life, I don't know if you're in a good place, in a bad place, in a tough place, if you stand for him, if you stand for truth, if you stand for righteousness, God will take care of you, okay? Because at the end of the day, what happens? They're in the presence with God, right? And they still walked out their calling and served him while they were here. That next point. And so I don't know how the Antichrist actually gets injured. I think it's, I think it's when they're battling. He's battling the two witnesses. He's going to get injured, okay? And this, the Antichrist is going to supernaturally recover from a deadly wound that he gets in this battle, uh, and then he is then going to be unveiled and given the authority over earth for 42, 42 months or three and a half years. Uh, and then the false prophet, we haven't even gotten to him yet, uh, convinces the world to make an image of an Antichrist and sets up in the temple commanding the world to worship him or die. And this will begin the last three and a half years uh, of the Great Tribulation. And so... The Antichrist, he is going to be a political leader. Uh, The false prophet, which we haven't really got into, he is actually going to be his right-hand man. He is actually going to be a religious leader. So imagine that. You have the Antichrist, who is the political leader of the world, and then you have his right-hand man, the false prophet, who is going to be uh, leading the, the religion of the day. He's going to be the religious leader, uh, on earth and they're going to work together and he's actually going to be um, doing false signs and false miracles the false prophet to to point to the antichrist as actually god they're going to they're going to fool manipulate the people that are left into thinking that the antichrist is god and they're going to do that together let's go ahead and read revelations 13 uh one through 18 it says then i saw a beast rising up out of the sea it had seven heads and and ten horns, with ten crowns uh, on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. The beast is the Antichrist, okay? The beast is the Antichrist. The beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion, and the dragon, the dragon is actually the devil, okay? And the dragon gave the beast its own power and throne and great authority. So the the devil, who is the dragon, gave the beast, who is the Antichrist, his power and authority, Okay? I saw that on the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. So John is writing Revelations. Okay? John, the disciple, the one that Jesus loved, is writing this, this, this vision down in Revelations and writing it down, prophesying about what the Antichrist is going to do as he heals from this miraculous injury. Okay, So after he heals... It says, then the world is going to begin to worship the beast. They're going to say, who is this great beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against them? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God and was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people, language, and nation. And all people who belonged to this world worshipped the beast, the Antichrist. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the Lamb, right? Who Jesus, the Lamb's book of life. Verse 9, anyone who hears with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth who had ten horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. The second beast is the false prophet that I'm talking about. Okay, We're about to read about him. and It's really kind of crazy and strange, but it's how the enemy works. The, the, the devil, how he perverts the goodness of God. We have a holy trinity, right? We have God the Father, we have God the Son, who is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, right? And they all work together. The Holy Spirit always points you to Jesus, and Jesus always points you to God the Father, right? They're complete agreement, and they're all equal uh, in their Godhead, right? And the, the devil is going to do the exact same thing to deceive the people that are on earth. You're going to have the, the devil who is going to relinquish his power and authority onto the Antichrist. And then the, 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 the second beast, who is um, the false prophet, is almost going to be like the Holy Spirit to the Antichrist. Everything that the false prophet is going to do is going to point to the Antichrist as God, and, and the Antichrist is going to point everything that he does to the devil. Does that make sense? And it's really kind of crazy how the enemy is going to do that to pervert the goodness of God, but in verse twelve, let's read about the the false prophet it says he exercised all authority in his first beast, exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down from the earth in the sky while everyone was watching, with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast. He deceived all the people who belonged to the world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. And he was permitted to give his life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that everyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small, great, rich or poor, free or slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast. For the number is of a man. His number is 666. And so the false prophet is going to actually, as the Antichrist recovers from his injury, the, the false prophet is then going to do false signs and miracles. They're going to think they're miracles to point to the Antichrist as like a Jesus Look at, he's rose from the dead. We need to worship him. He is God. And they're going to rally the people that are left, false prophet, to worship the Antichrist who is not God. And they are going to worship him and take the mark. You'll have to take the mark as worship uh, or you'll be killed. Okay? That last point, somebody say amen. We're about to wrap up. Thank you for bearing with me. Saying all this stuff, I hope I've hit somewhat of the mark trying to explain all this to you. We need to just get this last point. Okay? All these things are going to happen. We can't change any of the things that are going to happen. I don't, we can dispute when and how they're going to happen, all the details of how, how and when they're going to happen. The only thing we can take care of is ourselves. The only thing you can take care of is your life, uh, the life God has given you, and the part that you play in the kingdom of God. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is mercy and grace available to you and to me, right? And so we can get involved in that. We can live for Him. We can stand for truth if we choose to. Uh, And we need to, right, because you are not going to want to be left behind. Let's read John 7, 6, right? Jesus says, He says, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. He says, Be ready because you don't know when your time is. Always be ready. Always be on guard And that last scripture, 1 John 5, 12. Right? It all boils down to this. He who has the Son has life. Somebody say life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Right? I, I know we've been all over the place talking about all sorts of stuff this morning. It's that simple. He who has the Son has life, and he who doesn't have the Son does not have life. It's that simple. So I want to go ahead, and I just, that's all I want to close this morning. I want to give an altar call. Um, y'all join me in just um, bowing your heads and closing your eyes and praying with me. So if you're here today, uh, and you and your spirit and your heart, you, you know that you don't have the Son. The Son, Jesus, is not your Lord. He's not your Savior. He's not the God that you worship on a daily basis. If you're here this morning, maybe you feel like God is mad at you. I'm going to tell you he's not mad at you. He loves you. But if you feel that way, it may be a representation that you feel that way because you and God are not right. And so if you feel that way, why wait any longer? Today is your day. You don't know when God is going to rapture his church. Today is your moment. You can leave here with the peace that you haven't experienced in a long time, a love in your life and your heart that you haven't experienced in a long time, and you can change your life today if you want. And so right now, everyone's praying. If that's you and you want to make, make that decision, that commitment today, you want to say, you know what, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Right now, I want you just to stand up. To stand up in this place. No one's looking at you. No one's watching. Uh, God's watching. God's paying attention. He knows you. He knows your name. He loves you. He cares about you. No one in this place is watching and looking. We are praying for you, if that's you, and you want to stand up and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. All you have to do is stand up today to receive Him. Amen. 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 Father God, Lord, we, we thank You. Father God, I thank You that everyone in this place is eternity, uh, their eternity is, is sealed. Father God, I pray and declare that everyone in this place, their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life by faith in Jesus. Lord, we, uh, we worship Him, God. We thank You for Him. God, He is our King. He's the King of kings. Father God, and I know we're studying end times, we're doing all these things, and we need the Holy Spirit to teach us, and to show us, and to lead us, and to guide us. So even in our own studies, in our own life, in our own walk, Father God, continue to teach us, uh, and show us, and lead us, and guide us in these things, God, as we're studying. Lord, so uh, it all boils down to one thing, and that's Your Son, God, and we We thank you that we have him and we believe in him. God, and we thank you for the love and mercy and grace that is available to us today because of him. God, and so we thank you for that. God, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.